It's the year 2022 and the church is not okay. This pandemic has been going on for too long. Going into year three of this world-changing pandemic, we are doing our best to help the church into a new future. We are hybrid pastors for a church on the edge. This is the Millennial Pastors Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Pastors Podcast. My name is Eric Parker. And I'm Courtney Reedman Parker. And today, in this episode, we are talking about podcast season delays. Because we, this is the royal we, are not okay. Omicron has been hard. And because of that, we need to talk about Bruno, who isn't these days. And finally, we're going to look at shifting from crisis to systemic problems. Okay, that's a lot to talk about. Just a few things to chew on. Well, I guess we'll start with uh, delays. You know, we've been, we started season two on a high note and then immediately went into not... uh, you know, widespread lockdown, but family lockdown because of some school exposures. And we discovered it's really hard to podcast with kids remote learning, which we uh, knew already. But of course, it still was hard. And it then, doesn't stop being hard. No, no. Even as they get older, it doesn't stop getting hard. Or the longer we do it for. Right. So we uh, we. Uh, didn't, weren't able to get any episodes recorded for the last little bit, but, you know, Omicron has come, there's more widespread lockdown remote learning situations, and we're finally sort of back into the swing of things, so here we are with episode two of season two in 2022. So many twos. So many twos. So many twos. So, we want to talk about how we're not okay and I, I don't think just us. I mean, we're okay-ish, sort of. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Today's okay. Today's an okay day. But more generally, feeling and hearing from colleagues and friends and parishioners alike um, that we're not okay through this season of the pandemic people are really struggling these days i can see it uh, obviously in the news but you know more closer to home and more personally i just noticed that um even more so than people have been during the pandemic people are sort of hunkering down people are low energy people are tired of having to contend with you know being diligent all the time, having restrictions placed on them, following public health orders. And people who are for public health orders are tired of public health orders. People who are against public health orders are tired of public health orders. And so everybody's just tired of having to live with this. We're tired of being tired, right? And I'm looking outside right now from out of our, out of our pod, our beautiful podcast studio, which be under no illusions is also our 
family room, also our home office and home gym. It's a multi-purpose space, but one window is half covered in the snow that has accumulated through January and February of this year. Um, and out the other window, all I see is wind blowing snow across uh, the, the tundra that is Winnipeg on this cold and blowy day. This is not a particularly high energy time of year for folks, at least where we find ourselves. And so that also plays a, a significant factor into, into pandemic life right now, I think, or at least for myself. I know that the weather and the cold does not help me feel particularly optimistic. Yeah, all these things have come together and just made it hard to endure and hard to make it from day to day. Which, on the one hand, I really empathize with people who are struggling for so many reasons, struggling to make ends meet, struggling to endure the isolation, the loneliness, struggling to have to pull back from all the things that they're used to doing and all the ways that they used to um, take care of themselves. People are waiting for, you know, medical procedures, surgeries, people who are sick, people who are getting sick, people who have COVID, people who are out of work because of COVID, all these things. And at the same time, we also recognize that we have had a tremendous privilege as a society that for the most part we haven't had to deal with a lot of you know direct widespread hardship and so it's sort of we're coming from a place of privilege that that in some ways it's our comfort has been affected um and i you know i think about the people who survived through world war ii yeah do you think they were tired of rationing after a year or two and I'm sure that they were, you know, their folks were bad, badly behaved then too, but they made it through, I guess, because they had to. And and that's the thing that I think most people are understanding. You know, the pandemic will be done when it chooses to be done, not when we choose that it will be done. And so we just have to keep going, you know, day to day. This is This is life for now. And the outcome, I think... I think what's really hard about this is the outcome. Um, people feel like it's just going to be okay. We'll get back to normal. Whereas, you know, during a war, it's like <laughs> if things go bad, things go really bad and the outcome is not good. Well, yeah, yes. But I, I will, two things sort of come to mind, right? One is to to name very clearly how Omicron has has been hard in particular because for so many of us being fully vaccinated, right? Seeing our kids who are under 12 getting their first vaccines, like there it really felt like the promised hope had arrived, right? Had been delivered to us. For both of us, we had returned to in-person worship in the fall and it was going really well right it felt like we had made this turn and that yes it had been very hard and no it was not you know any sort of sense of 
normalcy and there was still a lot of careful planning and precautions happening, but that there was hope. And then Omicron hit and where we are, we canceled in-person Christmas Eve services um, and that really hit people hard. I know it hit me hard. Um, and it's been hard to uh, bounce back or, or or crawl out of, right? Or c- crawl out from. And so I think that differentiation is um, important compared to where we have been up until now um, with other with other waves, with other variants. Um, but the the other piece, that I wanted to pick up on. The other thing that uh, comes to mind as you're talking, Eric, is the longer we do this for, the less comfortable we are and the more we are coming to comprehend that the world and our world is not going back to whatever normal was for us before. No, this is a new thing and we're going to have to live with it. This is what reality is now. I don't, people keep waiting for the, the, the light to switch on and for normal life to come back. And this is, you know, this is the loud refrain that's being pumped out by certain segments of the population right now. We want normal life back as if changing some rules or, just pretending like the virus isn't here anymore is going to bring normal life back. I don't think people realize it's never coming back. Some of this stuff is here to stay and other things are just going to be different again once we figure out what the future looks like. And so there is no going back to normal still, no matter how much we want it or no matter how much we protest for it or convoy our way to to uh national capitals for it sure and and so we can understand we can empathize with the grief that people are experiencing um in this time right these these pieces of our lives of our relationships of our world that are are changing have changed and will never be the same and and how do we how do we sit with that how do we allow for space and time to to grieve effectively to process this traumatic event that we're living through while we're all not we're all not okay <laughs> right where we're all in this survival mode of keeping ourselves safe, keeping our families safe, continuing to do the things that will keep us and our communities safe. There's, there are so many pieces, I think, happening that make it difficult to stop and, and take the time that's likely needed and necessary to really fully comprehend how this is impacting us. Yeah. I mean, you're, you are a lot kinder than I am. I think, um, 
certainly part of it for me is that I think that we've been in this place for a while, right? I think a lot of the stuff that we are not okay about has been squeezing us for years, decades even, you know, in the church, in society more broadly, whether it's systemic racism and white supremacy, whether it's economic inequality, whether it's climate change and its effects, you know, all these things that we've been living on the edge for. And and the pandemic is, yes, an added burden, but it's just like the straw that's breaking people's backs, right? It's just that one thing that's too much to bear. Sure, it has absolutely revealed in a way that I I think denial is strong for people and societies, right? We can convince ourselves of a lot of things not being real or not being so, right? We're actually quite adept at gaslighting ourselves, right? And one another and the, and the people who um, have been lifting, lifting all of those pieces up, right? Whether it's within the church or, or outside of the church and saying, oh, that's not, that's not really so, or that's all in, that's only your experience, right? Or you're making, you're making a lot to do about what's actually nothing. Certainly, I think that there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, the message that has been sent to people is, has been given to people over the past number of years is just try a little harder, work a little harder, be a little more compliant, you know, fall in the rat race a little bit more and things will work out for you. You'll get, you'll get the things that you want. You'll get the, the rewards and it hasn't worked out for people. And now it's clear when some of those, you know, you can't just try a little harder during a pandemic when you're told to stay home. You can't just run the rat race when you, you know, are in constant danger of losing your job. You can't just, um, you know, be a little bit better and finally achieve the success and comfort and reward and that you want. That, um, you know, these things have pushed us over the edge and, and pushed us into a place where we are we are uncomfortable and struggling and we don't know how to to fix it by just by doing the things that we always have done which is work a little harder try a little more you know sacrifice just a little bit to gain a little bit down the road none of those strategies that we're used to employing have been working and and we're recognizing maybe it's time for some larger more significant change and adaptation to our world, which is which is not going to stop throwing us curveballs. No, it sure isn't. And whether we want to or not, it's happening. Yeah, it's it's happening. This 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 is reality. This is what we have right there's nothing else there's no there's no you know behind door number two <laughs> it's things are normal again and it's really hard i you know i i think i've 
talked about this example before, but wasn't Ezekiel who had to preach to the Israelites in in captivity that the temple had been destroyed? It took five years for them to finally accept, believe him. You know, like I think it's just human nature to want to believe that we can go back to the thing we just had, right? <laughs> sure. Well, what comes to my mind is that as humans, we will ch- we will choose death over change every time, right? That that we will that we will choose our own demise over changing over new life over resurrection if left to us. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's because it's hard and it's terrifying. And it means that maybe we didn't actually know what we were doing to begin with. And we're not really good <laughs> about being wrong. Right? No, because we had a lot invested in the way things were. And a lot invested. It's like, you know, when you you turn on one of those movies on TV. And you watch the first 20 minutes with no commercials. And the commercials start. And you think, well... I don't know if I actually want to watch this movie, if there's going to be all these commercials, but you're like, I put in this much time, I might as well see it through. (laughs) And I think people are sort of there, right? I put in all this time building my pre-pandemic life and it's just been like wiped away by this pandemic commercial. And I don't know, I don't want to. I don't want to keep keep watching this movie. I want to go back to, I want to go to something else. But... uh, but that's not the choice that we have. There's no change in the channel. There's no going back. No, which I think transitions well into talking talking about this cultural phenomenon, which is... Um, Bruno, right? And this hit from Encanto. And if you have not seen Encanto, please do yourself a favor to be on on top of cultural trends and knowledge. This is not going away. Figure out how to get yourself Encanto from Disney+. Plus. It's well worth the watch and the listen. Disney+, Plus does not sponsor this podcast, by the way. <laughs> It sure doesn't, but if I'm not really sure how else you or listen to the soundtrack like our children do three times a day on whatever streaming service you use for your for your music. But there is this character in this movie who is shunned from his family. And so there is this this song uh, at the start of the movie about how we don't we don't talk about Bruno. And but then they go on to talk about Bruno and the more times you watch the movie, um, you will see that Bruno is indeed everywhere. He's lurking in the shadows. He, uh, spoiler alert, lives in the walls. Bruno cannot be separated from this family. And the family, even though they try, can't be separated from him. And I think this pandemic is the same for us that we can try to not talk about it we can try to push it away 
Um, but it is here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what's interesting, you know, again, spoiler alert for Encanto. We've already had a little bit of the thing teased, but not the ending, of course. And we won't tease the biggest secret of the... We won't uh, reveal the biggest secret of the movie. But, you know, one of the tweets I saw right away uh, from that movie, right before we watched it, was, oh, how how appro- how appropriate or timely that Disney comes out with a movie about healing intergenerational trauma in a family. And, you know, and, and it is a study in family systems theory in how... You know, we we have these we we have this trauma, we have this experience, and we sort of push it to the side and pretend like the only way we can get by is to just block it out and push it away and not deal with it. And that happens for generations. But the longer it goes, the more that trauma festers and grows and deepens. And you know, Bruno becomes early on, and you know, in the backstory he becomes maybe tied to that trauma and eventually is sent away because of it. And, and then it's interesting how, you know, it's not, you know, it wasn't about him or finding him or rediscovering him, but it was as other struggles and other, you know, issues and concerns and problems arise. It's interesting how, you know, those things aren't contained to themselves that they start, you know, you have this problem that comes up in this one area and all of a sudden all these problems that you've been pushing, you know, hiding in the closet or pushing pushing out in, in, in the walls, they start creeping back in and start, start uh, you know, rearing their heads. And it's just so indicative of, you know, a family system or any group system that that all the things that you've been trying to sort of not deal with, you know... You, you just get squeezed so much until you get squeezed by something else in some other way, you know, for example, a pandemic when we're not dealing with inequality, racism, climate change, sexism, all that kind of stuff. And and this this one thing has the power to not just be a problem by itself, but to reveal that we haven't dealt with all the other stuff, right? And make those things actual issues that need to be addressed now rather than just continually pushing them aside, pushing them out of the way. Right. And that's, and that's the the magic of Bruno is it, it shows sort of a mirror to us of the ways in which we do this too. We don't, we, if you don't deal with your, your problems, they're going to come back and they're going to come back at the worst possible time. Right. As your, as your whole world is falling apart, you know? Yeah. It turns out not dealing with your stuff is not a good strategy, right? I mean, it's not healthy. It's not helpful. It it doesn't make it go away, right? Pushing something into, you know, a dark room doesn't make it go away. Just because we can't see it <laughs> doesn't mean that it's not there. And and you're 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 correct in that we do this in so many areas of our lives and we've talked about this on the podcast before right how this pandemic has been hard for everybody for different reasons 
but also that it is it is unrelenting in every aspect and facet of our lives. So it's not just that our lives as church communities is being is being pushed right now or just in our homes or just in our places of work. It's everywhere. Right. I was I was on Facebook the other day and somebody was posting about you know the magic of vinyl records versus streaming. You know which is a a current sort of topical trendy concern. Sure. But this person in the comments goes, "Oh, during this pandemic I've discovered CDs. I moved from cassette tapes to CDs." <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, there is some interesting story behind this." Like what is going on in your life that in 2020 you <laughs> you have discovered CDs when every CD store in the world has gone out of business except the one that went into business because they thought it'd be retro and cool. <laughs> Just like, okay, so this is this is a whole other thing. But I mean, that's exactly like you know, so this person for this person, it's cassette tape, CDs, streaming vinyl. For the, for the rest of us, we all have these things. And, you know, to tie this into the church and to ministry, right, this is what I felt like every, almost every day for the first five years of ministry was discovering again and again that people were going from cassettes to CDs in a streaming music world, being like, what is happening here? <laughs> and, and you know, for the next, the next um, eight years of ministry since... It's been realizing, okay, so my job is to unpack, like, what is the story here about this that we are, you know, it's, it's 2017 and we're still, we're still not doing email as a church council or it's, you know, it's 2020 and we still don't know about this social media internet stuff, right? So we're trying, we're, we gotta, we have to figure out, well, what is this about? What is going on in somebody's life? Because it's not just, I don't like computers. We're past the point of, you know, I remember when, when we were younger, like teenagers or young adults, and there, it was completely socially acceptable for people to say, I don't have a computer. But now it's like, what is going on in your life and world that you don't have a computer? Because everything is a computer these days. You know, your stove is a computer, your dishwasher is a computer, your fridge is a computer, your washer and dryer is a computer, your car is a computer, obviously your phone is a computer, your doorbell is a computer, everything is a computer. How can you avoid the internet and computers in this world? You can't. You just can't. Like every, almost all information is online these days. How can you live in a world and not be on, in this world and not be online? Sounds like maybe you need to unpack all of these feelings with somebody else who is perhaps a paid professional and uh, not not your podcast audience, which is a perfect uh, segue for us to talk about our sponsors. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod of the Evangelical Church in Canada. The Manitoba Northwestern Ontario, or MNO Synod, is one of five synods of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada, or ELCIC. The synod covers 54 congregations in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, from Brandon, Manitoba in the west, to Thunder Bay, Ontario in the east, 
and from Morris on the U.S. border to Thompson, Manitoba, bordering on Canada's north. With a baptized membership of 17,000 people, the MNO Synod is headquartered in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The Synod serves 54 congregations through the Ministry of the Bishop's Office and working in the areas of youth and young adult ministry, missions, outdoor ministry, social justice, ecumenical relations, stewardship, and guiding ordained ministers and pastors through call processes. The MNO Synod can be found online at mnosynod.org and on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out if you want to find a congregation in the MNO or if you want to know more about their work. Check out dictionary.com if you want to know what the word synod means. Okay, so uh, I guess we gotta maybe get to sort of what we're actually maybe heading towards these days. I just wrote a blog post called We Are Not Okay. And it's a little bit, you know, maybe on the political, social side with a lot, maybe of, a lot, little. lot to do with the church. But the gist of it was or is that um, as this pandemic shifts from being the a crisis that has sort of a beginning, middle, and end, and instead moving into a cyclical pattern of which we don't know when and where the ending will be, that that um, our collective approach to it, particularly our approach as whether it's political leaders or even as church leaders, is changing, right? And some are choosing to treat it like we do all social problems, which is to say, oh, you know what, if you have, if you got a problem, that's your fault, that you are to blame, you know, if you're poor, that's because you're lazy. If you uh, didn't have the same opportunities, that's because you, you know, came from the wrong family or didn't work hard enough. You know, if um, if you're sick, that's because you're not strong enough or whatever it is, you know, and you can sort of guess where that <laughs> that type of view comes from, um, or or the other option is to actually do something and change and address the systemic problem, which are infinitely harder to deal with than a crisis. You know, a crisis comes and goes. Half of the crisis is dealt with by the fact that it ends, and then we just sort of clean up the mess. But something that is systemically ongoing requires a completely different set of responses and solutions. And so in the church, you know, as we deal with how are we going to continue to do ministry in the midst of this cyclical pandemic that's coming and going, and how are we going to address all the other, you know, things in our walls and, and that we've been pushing aside, where all of our Brunos, how are we going to address that as a church? Um, you know, these are questions that, that that we will be forced to contend with. And I think as people, you know, are not okay these days, it's really easy to choose option one to just say, forget about it. It's, we can't change it. It's just going to be there. Deal with it. We're all going to get it. We're no. all going to have it. So we'll just accept that. Right? And move on. 
rather than, right, which is what I hear you saying, is being able and willing, even as we are tired, right, even as we are not okay, um, that there that there is need for taking some of those things out of the out of the places where we like to tuck them away right knowing that it's going to be hard knowing that it might even be dangerous right to take some of those things out and to look at them and to analyze and to maybe understand in a new way that we that we haven't been able to because because they've been so pushed far back that we didn't we didn't actually know why why they had been put away <laughs> into those you know closed rooms to begin with well exactly i mean if you're just to go back to Kando for a second if your sort of attempt to make your problem go away results in you writing a hit song about it that you can't get out of your head and you like singing all the time, maybe you haven't dealt with that problem and actually made it go away. Like you haven't actually done the thing. But more importantly, it's that, you know, just because you think you are not dealing with something, it's actually trying to not deal with it is the thing that's making you not okay. It's the thing that's tiring you out. It's the thing that is exhausting, right? The only way out of this being not okay and this being exhausted and tired is to say, okay, we need to change. We need to live differently in this, right? Because, because you know, dealing, dealing with the Freedom Convoy truckers or all the people who are anti-mandates or all the people who just want to get back to normal or whatever it is, dealing with all that stuff... And just taking that solution is still going to be just as exhausting because it's going to quickly blow up in our faces. And so change is necessary. How do we change? How do as a church, how are we going to change knowing that this pandemic might be in a cycle of waves and variants for the next year, two years, five years? until we can vaccinate the whole planet, right? That's going to take us a long time to do. And, and you know, with three or four vaccine courses, it's going to take time. And so we're going to be living through this. So how do we adapt? We've adapted to the crisis and learned a lot of lessons from that. How do we then shift those adaptations into systemic things, right? We know how to do church online. We know how to do Zoom meetings, so how do we now plan for times when we have to use those tools and pull them out again, times when we can set them down and do other things, more in-person things, times, you know, that other adaptations around keeping each other safe. You know, it's going to take a lot of questions and thinking and wondering, which is hard work. It's very hard work, and it's very hard when if you're comfort or your fallback or your willingness is to to only do what is comfortable and known right the before times um it's it's going to be really hard 
like harder than it needs to be and and understanding that even as we move into whatever this new thing is there will be people in this time and in even as you know people are vaccinated and we don't have the same uh precautions or the same public health orders or the same restrictions that there will be people for whom in-person gathering was never their thing right and so now that there is this alternative um understanding that the way in which we are able and can and have been sharing our faith um bringing bringing accessibility to people will be really difficult to to claw back and if the standard is well we're back in person and so now everybody's going to come back in person um is i i don't think it will be helpful especially in leadership circles around the around the church to to be thinking oh well now everybody's just going to shift back to being in person because we we know from our very small you know sample sample size um of 12 weeks of in-person worship that that was just simply not the case for a lot of people and it's not because faith isn't important but because they have other ways of accessing worship and ministry and tools for faith formation and discipleship. Absolutely. You know, as we said in our last episode, like it was really great to be back in person and it was, there was this life-giving part of it. And it seemed like, you know, the, the future was here, the crisis had ended. And now it's obviously back to, you know, Omicron felt like we were going back to March of 2020. And actually it felt like all the worst things that we predicted would happen in March, 2020 did happen, you know, health testing was impossible everyone is getting sick um and and the healthcare system is sort of at its capacity beyond its capacity people are tired out so so you know it was march 2020 all over again even though we'd been practicing for 2 years in some ways it was worse cuz we were all so tired and and burned out and not okay um but i was you know again something i saw scrolling scroll doom scrolling the internet was somebody said um our church is an online church that sometimes does in-person stuff and i was thinking you know at first i was like oh i don't like that idea but then i was like oh but you know maybe that's a maybe that is an understanding of transition right that's not a permanent identity but if we actually had adopted that going from online only to we are an online church that does some in-person things and we will know when we flip into a fully hybrid church and then maybe even flip into an in-person church that does a lot of online stuff, right? That we will know when we get there because, because I didn't, I don't know if we actually knew that we were fully hybrid. We were figuring things out again this last fall and testing things and trying things and, sort of testing the waters, but we didn't know that we were a hybrid church. But if we had said we're an online church that sometimes does in-person stuff, we could have been like, yes, that's what we are right now. We are an online church 
that sometimes does in-person stuff would have been a great way to describe what last fall was like. So coming up in our next episode, we're going to be talking about identity in the church because uh, this is news to Eric, but uh, we're going to write it down in our little ideas for podcasts because I think that you have just flagged a really major key piece for us, right, as church, is that if we don't know who we are, how on earth can we deliver what we have? Yeah, how can we how can we sort of live into you know our mission? How can we continue serving and doing ministry if we don't know who we are and what we're about? Correct. Right? And who we are is being changed fundamentally by this pandemic, by by the realities that we're experiencing. So yeah, you know, it's it's um I guess it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a challenge, but, but maybe to go back to the, you know, to the, the, the systemic piece, right? This is what it looks like to adapt to systemic realities, right? To, to know that as a church now, you know, the pandemic is a system, systemic problem that's going to sort of come and go. And there'll be times when we're a lot more aware of it and times when it recedes a little bit. But it's just always going to be there until finally it's not. And we don't know when that's going to be, but we can't sort of, we can't, we can't tell the story of it in this crisis thing because an unending crisis is just too taxing, too draining, right? Because if you're always waiting for the thing to be over and it doesn't end, you know, you just, you just drain yourself of all your energy. Again, we could look at this from a systems theory forever right and pull Mm. piece and pull pieces out because i'm going to wager a guess that there are a lot of churches who pre-pandemic were already living in constant crisis mode right and so to make to talk about the shift is is absolutely necessary but how do we help people to move, to move from crisis to systemic problems, <laughs> systemic change, right? And yeah. that's, I mean, obviously, now that you say it, that was the problem before. We were addressing our systemic ongoing problems as if they were crises to be solved that would have an endpoint. If we just do this, we'll solve our problem of A, B, C, or D. And then it would never work because because it wasn't a thing that could just be be changed with a quick fix, you know, a technical fix needed adaptive solutions. As I have said to many a congregational council, if you wait until the dumpster is on fire, right, and that's when you start addressing things, you have missed a lot of opportunities ahead of that time to resolve conflict, to even avoid conflict, right? To make smaller changes, to make smaller adaptations. But it's really difficult to make that shift, right? If, if you are always responding to crisis 
how do you have time or space to look at what the systemic problems are? Right. How do we, and part of it is that, you know, it's how do we, all these things, all these things get in the way of, or are part of, or address what it means to fulfill and live out our mission as a church, right? How do we be communities that invite people into the love and mercy of God? And, and that's our primary goal as a community and as a, as a group gathering together. How do we do that? Right. And hang, hang on. Are you trying to suggest that if we're always in crisis mode and putting out fires, that it's difficult to live out our mission and ministry as people of God, Eric? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're meant to be regarding communities, inviting people into the love and mercy of God and growing in faith together. But if we could only do it in the 1950s or 1985 or 2003 way of doing it, then all the things, all the sort of crises we're going to be addressing is when 1950 or 1985 or 2003 fall apart, right? And and we might figure out how to do it in the 2020 way, which we did do, but now we have to figure out how to do it in the 2022 way, right? which is different and changed again. And so part of it is, okay, being clear and knowing what's our mission to be a community that invites people into love and mercy of God, growing in faith together. I should write models and mission statements for people. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, how do we do that? And how are we going to do that today? How, the, how are we going to do that for the next few weeks, the next few months, the next few years, right? Knowing that it could change along the way, I think. It's important. But if we keep sort of worrying about, for example, people in the pews, money, all that other kind of stuff, we're going to forget the mission. We're going to forget, you know, whether we can open, whether we have to wear masks in church, all these these technical concerns, right? Easily sort of distract us from asking those core questions about our mission, which is, you know, I think why we need to get out of the crisis thinking. As always thoughtful discourse we're gonna wrap it up here for today but there is so much more that we have to say about this and many other fine topics to look forward to in our next episode we have the reverend anita saroop joining us from vancouver and so we're looking forward to that and hope that you will as well eric where can people find you living out god's mission and ministry in the world you can always find me on the millennialpastor.ca. Uh, we're doing my blogging. You can find me on Facebook at the Millennial Pastor, Shore Park Lutheran Church, Winnipeg on Facebook, Eric Reedman Parker on Facebook, and at Parker Eric on Twitter. So if you or your congregation is looking for a motto or a mission statement, you know how to find Eric. What is, does Sherwood Park have a have a mission statement? That you can name off the top of your head? We do have a mission statement. It is escaping me at the moment. It is escaping so you. It sounds like it's a really good one. So that was a trick question. I serve Messiah Lutheran Church. You can find me and Messiah online. Our church website is messiahlutheran.ca. Also Messiah Lutheran Church Winnipeg. 
on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at uh, Courtney Reedman Parker on Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram and occasionally on Twitter. Uh, our mission statement where I serve is uh, here we share God's love and grace. And I love how intentionally sort of open and vague that it is because it turns out there's a lot of different ways that we're able to share God's love and grace in the world. I'm just going to say the only reason that I can't remember our, our, uh, our uh, mission statement is because I'm not okay. Anyways, the Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod, whom you can find at mnosynod.org. The Millennial Pastors Podcast is written and produced by us, the Reverend Courtney Reedman Parker and the Reverend Eric Parker, with our theme song provided by Lutheran Outdoor Ministry in Alberta and the North, all other music provided by audionautics.com. This has been a couple of... Uh, 2022 systematic problem pastors for a crisis church. We'll see you on the other side. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.